Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Are you in a crazy-making relationship? Feel anxious, angry, and unsafe? Welcome to Save Your Sanity. Insights, skills, strategies, and inspiration for emerging empowered from toxic relationships and breaking the bonds of emotional abuse. Keep listening. We'll figure a few things out. Welcome to Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. A question I'm asked so frequently is the question of, are the difficult people, the ones I call hijackles, are they doing it on purpose? Are they aware that they are being mean? Are they aware that they're dismissive? Are they aware that they're being hurtful? Do they plan it? Do they want to be hurtful? Do they care if they hurt people? All of these things. Why are they nice to other people and they're not nice to me? That's a really big one, isn't it? Really worth pondering and we're going to get into it. And the big question is, is there anything I can do to change this? So we're going to answer all those questions and do a deeper dive into whether or not these difficult people, and hijackal is my term for people who hijack relationships for their own needs and purposes, and then relentlessly scavenge it for power, status, and control. Do these hijackals hurt us on purpose? Are they mean to us on purpose? And let's get into it, because it's a very important discussion. Don't you think it's strange that hijackals are so insensitive to you, and yet they are so sensitive themselves? If they think something is remotely going to be disrespectful or hurtful or questioning them or wanting something from them, their radar goes into action and starts blaming you and pulling you down. It's like they just can't stand even a little whiff of it in the air. And yet they are so super sensitive themselves to that, but they're totally insensitive or mostly insensitive to your thoughts and needs and feelings and wants. That's a big question, isn't it? And do they hurt you on purpose? Well, I'm going to go deeply into this, as I mentioned, but yes, sometimes they do. And yes, sometimes no. And sometimes they're unaware. And sometimes they're purposeful. So we'll look at all of those variations on a theme. Because it doesn't take much to offend a hijackal. You can look at them sideways on some days or not even look at them. They can have a thought about you and they are offended. And then the next time you're in contact with them, they behave as though you should know how offended they are. And that's just crazy making behavior. It's like their radar works overtime trying to sniff out disrespect or lack of loyalty or um, something wrong, anything wrong that isn't them, of course. Fear of having someone having a little quality or equality of any kind. Fear of someone having control or power over them 
where they're on guard completely for anything that looks like shame, blame, or guilt coming their way. Um, and no matter how remote that shame, blame, or guilt can be, they can even act as though it happened and blame you for it. And there is no there there. You know, <laughs> they just make it all up because they are these super sensitive beings, super sensitive to anything that might cast aspersions on who they are, or they might think you might be thinking that at some remote future time, they are going to blame you for it now. So they get very offended very quickly, and they they get offended particularly around you, and then you watch in awe when you're out in public or out for dinner with friends, and someone says the exact same thing to the hijackal that you have said and been met with rage and horror or silent treatment. Someone in public says exactly the same thing to them, and they laugh or they go along with it, and it is totally a different reaction. Have you had that experience? Well, this is all about and connected to, do they hurt you on purpose? And when you do anything, you are met with that rage and silent treatment. Maybe they'll degrade you, name call, um, put you down, dismiss you, discount you, all of that. But when they have a hangnail, the world stops turning, right? They're hurt. They need help. They're not going to put up with it. And so it's an integral part of this whole hurting cycle. And hijackals are hugely self-protective and hypersensitive. It's kind of an oxymoron. You know, an oxymoron is when you say two words that contradict each other, like jumbo shrimp or fresh frozen fish. How did that work? Um, they're always telling you, you're too sensitive. So these people, hijackals, are insensitive, sensitive people. <laughs> and it's a very strange thing when you sit back and think about it. But when you're in it, it is so head spinning, absolutely and difficult. And you start thinking, did I get it right? Did I miss something? And you, you start dancing as fast as you can sometimes just to keep the peace or to avoid being nailed by something that doesn't have your name on it. Absolutely. And so again, it can be truly crazy making. And because they're empathy deficient, they don't feel badly when you feel badly. If you are in a pain or you're hurting about something or you're depressed or whatever, do they care? No, because they're not empathetic. You being even sick can be seen by a hijackal as a huge purposeful in intervention into them not getting what they want. They certainly don't want to look after you. But they see it as though you did it on purpose so that it would interrupt their life. Have you experienced that? Because that's how hijackals roll. Far too often they do that. And they can actually be happy when you feel badly because it makes them feel you're easier to manipulate. And it gives them a sense that, ah, 
I do have power over that person. Look, I could make them feel badly. Look, I could make them, um, their shoulders droop or they could cry and they feel powerful. And that's where you get that little hijackle smirk. You know, the contempt they have for you shows all over their faces. And it's hurtful to see that because you know they think they just got one over on you. So do they hurt you on purpose? Yes. Yes, they do. Are they always thinking of hurting you? No, but it turns out to hurt you because they are far more interested in what it is that they need than what you need. So if they need to win, they don't really care that you're going to lose. We'll go into that more. So it's strange to comprehend, but narcissists are actually wildly insecure. Now, don't put on your compassion hat and think, oh dear, let me let me make them feel stable. Let me make them feel good. Let me make them feel secure. And they will, they will love me for it. And they will change. And unicorns will come out with rainbows and sunshine. No, it doesn't work that way. They are wildly insecure and it had nothing to do with you. And as you've heard me say on many broadcasts, you didn't break them. You can't fix them. Please understand that. You didn't break them. You can't fix them. So because they are wildly insecure, they demand that you be there to affirm them, to support them, to approve of them, to validate them. And anything less than that behavior is met with their disdain of you. So they need someone to do that so they don't have to do it for others in close relationship with them. They they need someone to do that for them, but they won't do it for you. So the whole idea of affirming, approving, of supporting, and validating you, oh, no, no, I need all of the oxygen in the room. So if I have to get it by discounting you or walking off and leaving you a quivering mess, they all do that. And everyone is seen as a potential threat to the narcissistic hijackle or any hijackle of any stress, any strait, because they are primed to pounce on the weakness, primed to pounce on getting their needs met and making sure they win. So are they mean on purpose? Are they insulting on purpose? Mocking, ridiculing? sabotaging your efforts? Yes. Are they aware they're doing it? Yes. Do they know that it's wrong? Yes. And how do you know this? How do we know this? Well, it's simple. It's all about choice. When it really comes down to it, how we know this is that they don't do it to everyone. So therefore, they may be very, must be, in fact, very good at deciding when to do it and when not to do it, with whom to do it and with whom not to do it. So it's a choice that they're making. Yes, from another position, it's not coming from choice because whatever has happened or been instilled in them is driving them in this direction. And so that was not a conscious choice on their part. But the behavior is because they don't always do it, do they? 
They don't do it. They wouldn't go into a job interview and talk to the interviewer the way they talk to you. There's just a discrepancy in the ways that they choose where to behave badly. And that's a big thing. Their deep hurts rule their choices in life, and they're seldom ever willing to look at it. You know, many times a couple will come because one person in the couple wants me to say if I think that the, their partner is a hijackle or if the relationship can be shifted or changed in any positive way. And and that will be right, right in front of me asking questions about their past. And sometimes hijackles will pat, will create a past history, and you know they're very good at changing and shifting narratives. They will they will create a past history that makes it sound like their life was, you know, right out of a wonderful fairy tale. Because it's very difficult for them to talk about the pain that they experienced. They will talk about the pain that you are, but they won't talk about their pain, where it came from. It's very hidden and sometimes very buried and deep. So they're not going to make any significant changes. And they thrive on your hurt and your disappointment. And and they hold grudges. They really do. Um, so it becomes such a, a difficult way to know what's coming your way, what's likely coming your way. And that's why when you're with a hijackal or raised by a hijackal, you're likely to become what's called hypervigilant. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know what's coming next. And you're, you're looking everywhere. You know, the hijackal is coming into the home and you're, what are they going to find? What is going to be the difficulty? What are they going to complain about? What isn't done? Did I promise to do something I haven't done? And by the time they walk through the door, you can be a basket case because of hypervigilance. They have got you on the run because they are looking constantly for fault. And yes, they are doing it consciously. Now, remember the two parts. They're choosing how they behave, but how they think was not their choice. That was molded and shaped by whatever has happened to them. So it's a bit of a yes and a, and a little bit of a no in that regard. But because they treat other people better than they treat the people they say they're closest to, it's a complete conundrum. You know, I've I've said many times to a client, you know, you seem to treat the person in the grocery store checkout better than you treat your partner. Oh, no, I don't do that. Well, it seems that you do from the stories that you tell. You would never speak to the checkout person the way you speak to your partner. It's a good way to figure it out, right? Because they will be appropriate to winning in any situation. They will behave in the way they need to win the situation, to get what they want from whoever is in front of them. So if they need to be nice, if they need to be bootlicking, if they need to be affable and friendly and pleasant, they will do that 
because they have a something that they want to win. But if it's power over, then it becomes a sense of control. And then in that situation, it will always be a negative. And you know, they're masters of projection. Because of their woundedness, they are masters of projection. If something they think might be wrong with them or not quite right, that will be right out of their mouths saying it's a trait you have. Your projection is when a person thinks that something might be so of themselves, they don't like it, so they project it onto someone else. You know, never tell a narcissist they're a narcissist because it doesn't work. And I've spoken about that in other episodes. But if you ever were to say that, they will immediately tell you you're the narcissist, right? And they will tell you that before you ever even suggest that they're a narcissist because it's what they're afraid of. It's what they're pushing away and they want to push it away onto you. So yes, they hurt you on purpose. Many people ask me, am I the narcissist? And I say, generally, the person who asks the question, am I the narcissist, is unlikely to be the narcissist because they have some introspection and self-reflection, which we won't find from an actual narcissist. So that's important. And they have this big piece of projection happening far too frequently. And the other thing that we have in the hijackle is a lot of fear, fear that they're not going to be respected. They're not going to have people who are loyal to them. And they're, they immediately start behaving as though you already aren't loyal to them, that you already don't respect them. And that's a very scary thing because very confusing. You know, I haven't done anything, and yet you're treating me as though I have betrayed your trust and sold your firstborn, you know? And you're sitting there thinking, what did I do? I don't recall doing anything that requires the magnitude of what I'm being blamed for, but it's their need to be in control. And so they will hurt you on purpose. They will be mean to you on purpose. They will say nasty things to you on purpose. Anything in order to win, which is their deepest need to feel that they're okay. And if they have to make you not okay in order for them to feel okay, they will. And they will do it repeatedly. So why do they want to hurt you? Well, I wrote a list. They don't care if they hurt you. They hurt you because they can, and you react to it, and they feel they have some power when that happens. They want to hurt you because they need that sense of power. They want to hurt you because they're insecure. They want to hurt you because they're hypersensitive. They want to hurt you because they resent you, and they want you to feel as afraid as they do. And they want to hurt you because you're a convenient place to feel powerful and superior and better than and in control of. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. What you let them get away with has things to do with you. But all of these things that they do, 
No, it's not about you. It's about their need to win, their need to be right, their need to be top dog, their need to feel superior, their need to refrain from equality. And you know, if there isn't any equality, there will not be a healthy relationship. So yes, they know they hurt you. And you might think that if they knew, they would want to change. And that's sometimes, I think, what drives the question of people asking me, do they know? Because if they don't know, maybe I could help them know. And if they did know, then they'd want to change because people don't want to go around hurting other people. But you see, you're talking about healthier humans when you make those statements. And hijackal humans are different. That's not what matters to them. Because if you were under the misguided idea that if they knew how badly they behave, then they could change. They would change. They'd be interested in change. No, the opposite is true. They hate that so much that it puts them into a rage. Or they will walk away from you. They don't want to be known like that. They want to be affirmed and validated, but they don't want to be seen for who they really are. So if you were to think that you could tell them that, you know, you've got some troubling behaviors and we would get along a lot better if you didn't, probably you'd get a promotion at work. These things would happen. Whoa, who do you think you are? You're not going to talk to me like that. Nobody knows what I know. You know the responses because I'm sure that you've had them if you're listening to the podcast. But no, they don't see a need to change themselves at all. They may sometimes feel badly, sometimes, and see that it would be good if they didn't do what they do. But they'll spring back into action in that negative way quite quickly, even if they have seen it, because it's deeply ingrained. It would take a lot of work for a hijackal to curb their enthusiasm for hijackal traits. Truly would, and they're, they're very rare people who do that. Very rare and deserve a lot of applause, certainly. They'll change for a hot minute, sure. How many times they say, I'll go to counseling, I'll do anything if you don't leave. And then they go to counseling twice, and then, oh, it's inconvenient, and it costs too much, and she asks too many hard questions, and I don't want to do the homework, and we don't really need anybody in our relationship with us. In fact, I hate that. Our relationship should just between us, you know, the way it goes. So they may change for a hot minute to please you, but they'll go right back. Over the long term, they won't change, and they don't care enough to change. They truly don't care enough about how much it hurts you for them to change because for them to change would be hurtful and uncomfortable for them. So if any of that applies to you, stop trying to get them aware of how they're hurting you, thinking that it will help them stop. It won't. And that's the sad truth, but the honest truth. Because they don't care. I know that sounds terrible, but they don't care. They care about getting what they want, what they think they need in order to satisfy 
their deep and kind of misguided needs, but they don't care about you. And you see where they care and with whom, and you see where they don't care and with whom. So they demonstrate the caring for the result they get by the people they are nice to and the ones that they're not, which is why I've said so often on the podcast that hijackals paint a public picture of perfection while at home they provide a private place of pain. A public picture of perfection and at home a private place of pain. I hope you're beginning to see that there are big decisions to be made when you accept what I'm talking about in this episode. The hijackal cares more about their image so they can keep it up in public. And they want you to keep it up in public as well. You know how angry they get if you ever tell the truth to anybody outside your relationship. So that's important to see. And hijackals do everything they can to prevent feeling fear or guilt or shame themselves anything they can, and they're not having any of it. You know, if you try to talk to them about them making a mistake or doing something wrong or not doing enough of something, they will not take responsibility or be accountable. They simply won't. So they're going to protect themselves and they don't care about you. So a lot of these behaviors of hurting you are about protecting themselves. So do they do it on purpose? Yes. Do they do it because that's the only thing they know to do? Yes, in terms of needing that, but they know when to do it, and they choose when and with whom to do it. Never lose sight of that. Because if I can choose to behave in one place well, I can choose to behave in another place well. So it's not a disability. It's a choice. And hurting you is devaluing you. And the narcissist values themselves, not you. So therefore, to put their value up, they have to put your value down. Now, you know, in episode 115, a healthy relationship has three main components, equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. Number one is equality. You will never, ever, ever be according, accorded that on a constant basis by a hijackal. Narcissistic people can't do it. They won't do it. And if you keep hoping that they will or seeing a little glimmer, you know, I know it gives you hope, but don't be hooked on hope. There is no lasting change. It's sad. It's sad to realize that you're not going to get any lasting change. But here's a question for you, because it takes up so much of your mental space, your emotional space, to try to figure out the hijackle. Do you really need to know if they hurt you on purpose? Yes. So you can stop wondering and you can stop hoping that they'll change and you can take some valid actions on your own behalf. But do you really need to know why 
they hurt you on purpose? No, because it will help. It will put your compassion hat on as a healthier human, and then you will understand, and you may be tempted to try to love them into behaving well. And that is just an incredible trap. An incredible trap is just what they want. So be very careful about that. You don't need to know why. You know, you, you can, you've heard enough in this episode to know why. And you don't want to be seeing them as your pet project because they're not. It's not a project that will ever have a happy ending. And it will cost you your life. Now, I was working with a client recently, and it was a woman. She realized that she had had two hijackal relationships in a row, and it had cost her 23 years of her life. That is a high, high cost. And as we spoke, she said, I don't want to be paying that anymore. And so we're going to work together to make sure that she can calibrate relationships in a healthy way. But if you've been hoping that someone will finally see, a hijackal will finally see that you deserve better, you deserve more, you are hurting, and they're the ones that are hurting you, and, in, and they will come to their senses when they see it, no, that's not going to happen. So it's important to recognize that. Just like the woman that I was speaking about, she was very clear, I don't want to pay that price anymore. I'm exhausted. I'm bankrupt. I feel emotionally bankrupt. Help me to not do that. And if you want my help to not do that ever, you know that you can go to beaclient.com and that will help you um, <clears throat> give you the opportunity for a one-time new client one-hour session with me for only $97 at beaclient.com. And if you're not ready for that, you can come on over and join my Emerging Empowered community at joinintoday.com. Lots of great things for you there, including three group calls a month with me so you can ask your questions at joinintoday.com. So you don't want to be paying with your life. You don't want to be paying with your children's lives. And it's so important to look at. So let's go back to the beginning of the episode and answer those questions. Are they hurting me on purpose? Much of the time, yes. Are they aware they're doing it? Yes. Why? Because they don't do it to other people. Do they want to be hurtful? Yes. It gives them a sense of power over you. Do they care if they hurt me? Not so much and definitely not as much as you wish they did. Do they do it on purpose? Sometimes yes. Do they do it by choice? Yes, they do. Do they know they're being nice to others and nicer to others than they are to me? Yes, because they're choosing their behaviors. And the big one is, can I change this? No, you can't change another person. You can do your own work and change things within yourself. You can mention what changes you might like in the relationship, but you can't do their work for them. 
And that's super important to realize so that you won't lose 23 years of your life. Or if you've already lost 42, you won't lose any more. Thinking that you can love them into health, you can't. They're not receptive to that. That is not the equation they recognize. So it's very, very important to know that the answer is, are they hurting you on purpose? Yes, because they don't hurt everybody, but they hurt you. And if you've already been with a hijackle so long that as soon as I said that, you'll say, well, maybe I'm too sensitive. They've got you brainwashed. So hopefully this episode will help you reassess that, recalibrate that, and make some better choices that will end up with you surrounded by healthier humans. And I hope that's true. So until we speak again, take very good care of yourself because you're precious and you matter. Talk soon. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Marla says, yes, I was always the main target. Isn't that? It's so hard. So hard. Linda, I'm happy you made it here, too. That's great. Oh, thank you, Linda. The donations they, um, <clears throat> that you can make on YouTube are always appreciated. Thank you so much. Um, it certainly helps to de defray some of the regular costs for doing the podcast, and I appreciate that. Okay. Marla said he would get offended by my energy. Yes, I'm sure he would. He would be offended by the fact you were breathing in the same room sometimes, I would guess, because hijackals do. They want to take up all the space, and they want to be given all the space because they think they're entitled to have all the space. And so, yes, offended by your energy, offended by your breathing, offended by your success, offended by your insight, offended by the fact that you're happy and they're not, <laughs> you know, anything at all. Everything is a comparison shop for a hijack call. Linda says, yes, he treats strangers great. Exactly, exactly. I remember that little, little thing I said in the middle there. If somebody treats the checkout person in the grocery store better than they treat the people they say they love, there's something really wrong with the equation really wrong. And that's important to see. Marla says, yes, I wonder why us as a spouse is the target. Name calling, insulting, degrading, little rude digs, all to me. I could never understand why he raged at me. Well, it's because you wanted the relationship to work. And as you wanted the relationship to work, he could say, well, here I am. This is how I am. And if you want it to work, then accept me as I am. And then they look for more and more power over. 
because they need somewhere to be sure they have that supply. And if they can't get that supply out in the world because they have to put on the nice face or the pleasant face or the accommodating face, the more they have to do that in the outside world, the more they're likely to come home and be that awful self that demanding self, that superior self, that entitled self, because, you know, they have to let that steam out. It is very hard for them to be nice. It's very hard for them to appear considerate. It's difficult for them to appear empathetic. So they use up all that energy out in the world, and they come home and say, huh, now I get to fill myself up by making somebody smaller than I am someone less than I am. I can compress them. I can squeeze them. I can wear them down. I can tear them down. And they do it day after day after day. It's exhausting. It's just exhausting. I haunted. I was told I was too sensitive for crying after being berated for 45 minutes. Isn't that sad? You know, it's like it's like a narcissistic parent. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but it occurred to me a few years ago. Isn't it the ultimately narcissistic parent who sees a child who's crying and says, if you're going to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. Even if the child is crying, they want to be the author of their tears, the cause of their tears. And it's kind of like that with hijackals at home. You know, I want to make you miserable. I want to be the one who makes you miserable. I want to have that. Because this whole thing about being too sensitive, such a cop-out. Because who do you know who's more sensitive than a hijackal? It's like they got radar everywhere for somebody doing something wrong, looking at them sideways, not treating them with respect, not being loyal enough, having thoughts that they didn't even have about them. They're hyper-vigilant. Yes. Um, Linda said they love to discard and devalue on holidays. Oh, they so do. Yes, because they also love to do that. If you have an accomplishment in your life and you go to celebrate or you just come home and you're all excited about something, it's, it's like you're the balloon and they have to be the pin that pops it. They cannot stand to not be the center of attention. You know? It is pathetic. It truly is pathetic when you step back and have a look at the way these behave. Oh, thank you, Marla, for the um, for the uh, gift. That's very nice. Okay, Honda said they do get upset when I refuse to validate their delusions. I won't say that I'm all the terrible things you say I am. Good for you. Good for you because that's you just using a personal weather report. I'm not I'm not going to say those things about myself. I I choose not to say those things about myself. And that's very confronting to a hijackal, but it's the most important step to take is if you haven't looked at my page at personalweatherreport.com and learned about that technique or read Kaizen for Couples where there's a couple of chapters on it, be sure you do and master that technique because they 
you need to affirm yourself in the face of hijackal blaming. Linda says, what I don't like is that they like to hurt us. Yeah. And if you can let yourself really let that in, that they do like it. Haven't you seen everybody that hijackal smirk? I, I can't do it. Thank heaven, I guess. But, you know, that that look. And, and when I did an episode with the facial coder, David Hill, I asked him about it. And he said that, oh, yes, he knows that one well. It's the facial code for anger plus disdain, which equals the facial code for contempt. They look at you as though you're something nasty on the bottom of their shoe. You know, it's it's ugly. It's ugly. They choose who to reward or punish. Oh, yes, they do, Linda. They certainly do. And you often end in the punish end. You know, if you are living with a hijackal. You know, I had a hijackal mother and father, and so, of course, I married a hijackal. So I really know all this stuff. I divorced him as well. But um, this this happens, and they definitely choose. And if you end up being their person who is the person they come home to in any form, you know, I used to, my mother was a postal clerk and in a department store. And I would watch her with customers, and she had this phony smile and this phony tone in her voice. And I knew that all the people that she worked with couldn't stand her, but I would watch her with the customers and this, you know, smile and dear and all of that. It was gagging to watch. It really was because I knew who she was. So did the people she worked with because she worked there so long. They were afraid of her. And yet she's putting on this big act of rewarding somebody by being nice. You come back, you know, it's absolutely true. Hi, Kel. Crazy making behavior, making you mad indoors. Two minutes later, he's outside with a calm. You are the one creating the scene. Look at you shouting. That's a good example. Absolutely. They rev you up and then make it all your fault that you got revved up and how embarrassing it was that you got revved up. It's so crazy making. It truly, truly is. And it's nice to see the you. Um, I'm Canadian. I live in the States, so I don't often see behavior with a you. So I always know that I have a Commonwealth colleague, perhaps, <laughs> in the room. Um, Linda says, yes, they had a golden childhood. Not. Yeah, they they didn't. You know, we can pretty much guarantee that they didn't have a golden childhood. Even if they were raised as the most entitled creature on the planet, we know that it wasn't a healthy childhood. And that's that's the truth. And he, <clears throat> so Haunted said hijackals control can control themselves in public, in private, they run roughshod over you. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, you're out and you you see this person and they're so jovial and they're joking and maybe even joking about things that you're not allowed to say about them. And then you think, oh, this will be great. We'll get home or on the way home, I'll get this person who's been so lovely all evening. And then, no, 
They're just their nasty self. Again, Marla said, mine did berate the checkout gal at the grocery store more than once, oh dear, and called the manager over to complain about her. Well, there you go. That's extreme hijackal behavior. So we can't even use that analogy for you, Marla. Uh, okay. Kel says, I have witnessed that too. Pointed out a well-ripped man to me then in the heat of argument, telling me he had been looking at an at by another woman. Yeah, that's the way they go. It's always double-sided. It's always double standard. They th- they live in some kind of bubble that they can be hypersensitive to everything and blame you for everything. But you are never supposed to complain. You are never supposed to see who they are. Their greatest fear is that you will see who they are and you will tell someone. And then their image, their mask will fall apart. And that petrifies them, just petrifies them. You know, really, when you're looking at these difficult, seemingly strong and scary hijack calls, they really have feet of clay. They truly do, except for some of them who have feet of lead and will definitely hurt you physically. So be careful of those ones. Honda said, when they project onto you, they go on and on. It doesn't help their attitude, and we'll do it over and over. It never gives them relief. You're absolutely right. I can't do it enough, but they try. Food for Thought says, when they project, they're only telling you exactly how they feel about themselves. When you understand that, it allows you to not take their nastiness personally. Exactly. You know, that, but that's such a big growth point to get to the place where you realize that they are projecting. They are talking about themselves when they're telling you what's wrong with you. And if you can get yourself to that place, you may have to scratch and claw to get there. But if you can get to that place where you're saying, oh, you're talking about yourself, everything you accuse me of is a confession about yourself. You know, and that's not exactly true, by the way, but it's one way of looking at it. That their greatest fear is being projected on who you are. That is absolutely true. And when you can get there to realize that that's the case, then you can learn to duck. You know, like, okay, let it go over. Just let it go over and then quietly make your plans about what you're going to do about the relationship. Because ever confronting a hijackal, you know how many times I say don't poke a hijackal? Well, confronting a hijackal, it doesn't work. It only gets you riled up and you upset and you on the receiving end of their anger. It doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. And if something simply doesn't work, don't keep doing it. You're right. The goal is to not take it personally at all. But notice and be self-reflective about how we got into the relationship, what's going on, 
what do you want out of life? And is this any possibility you can get it where you are in the relationship? And if the answer is no, then you start taking steps to get outside the relationship. The ultimate goal is absolutely right. Complete disconnection from the narcissist. And that's achievable. It is. It can be painful, can be costly, and it can be long. But it's so usually worth it. And if you have children, even more so. And you're right, Linda, they don't care. Julie said, I just dumped one of these types. Terrible he was. Yeah, I think everybody in here just gave you a high five. <laughs> you know, to be able to dump them. I, I always want to put this in because, you know, everybody's not able to just get out of these situations quickly or easily. Many people have been isolated. They have they have no access to money. They are in predicaments in, 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 you know, in business deals and all kinds of things where they don't have, 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 don't have the personal wherewithal yet to feel that they can do it, that they can stick with it. And that's okay. That's okay. Just be moving, no matter how slowly, be moving in the direction of forwards that is away from the hijackal. No matter how slowly you need to do it, but just keep it in mind. Don't feel ever that, oh, well, there must be something wrong with me because I can't just walk out. It's a process. And depending on your own background, your own things that you've internalized about what makes a good person and your own level of empathy and how you've become so enmeshed with this hijackal person, all these things need to be dissected and found and moved. So don't, don't ever think that if you can't do it right now, that there's something wrong with you. It's that you must be just doing why you can and keep going in the same direction. You know, sometimes we get in a shuttle, two steps forward, two steps back. But if you can just get into two steps forward and one and a half back, you'll still be making progress. So be careful with yourself. Honda said, when he would make me cry, he would watch. He would become aroused by it and then demand sex. Oh, I didn't want anything to do with him. He seemed to think yelling was a form of foreplay. Well, I'm sure there are people nodding in the room haunted um, because they've experienced the same thing. And, and one of the things that's true about many narcissistic people is they do have a very different relationship to sex. Um. It's a place where you can have power over another person. It's a place where you can make demands and berate somebody. Um, it's connected to, um, for many people, watching porn or various specialty kinds of porn. Um, many times, narcissistic people will have um, sort of very unusual sexual desires. And I'm not going to go into all of that, but just know that that's the case. And what you're referring to, Haunted, there is, you know, just someone who 
who is aroused by pain. Aroused by pain. That is really unhealthy, truly unhealthy. So I'm glad that what you have written is in the past tense. Nancy says, so true, selective behavior, capable of being respectful to others and only pretend to be to me in front of others. It is sad, and it is not okay, and it is not to be tolerated. You know, and Nancy says, yes, costing me half my life already, 35 years. You know, the moment that you you start to move away from a hijackal, no matter how many years you've been there, is the best, best moment for the rest of your life. And don't spend one moment beating yourself up or thinking you should have got it better or what was wrong with you. Nothing. You just didn't know. And now you know. Now you see it. Now you can move. And that's all we need. That's all we need. Don't ever spend any time being hard on yourself. And I'm not speaking directly to you, Nancy. I'm speaking to everybody. Don't spend a whole lot of time. You know that meme that I have up? You don't have to make someone wrong to know they're not right for you. Stop giving them all that real estate in your mind. Like, oh, they're this and they're that. Once you recognize that they're a hijackal, once you've learned all the permutations and bits and pieces that I talk about and on the podcast and on the YouTube channel, when, once you really get it, then take action. And at that moment, whatever age it is, no matter how long you've been or how short you've been in the relationship, is the perfect moment to start moving in another direction. Sunita says, hi, he would have a twisted smirk and run each time he hurt me. He has an avoidant personality and can't communicate. I think because he's hurting, he does it to me. Yes, that's probably the case. And I hope that you do not have your compassion hat on at that moment. That you say, I can see that. I have compassion. I don't think anybody should be hurt. And in this relationship, I'm not going to be the one who's hurt. You know, I, our compassion is there because we're healthy humans. But first of all, in order to have compassion for others, we need to have compassion for ourselves. There must be that balance. And most people who have been with hijackals for a while are overgivers. And it's exhausting, absolutely exhausting. So, you know, remember that as well. Linda said, yes, I've had that happen with the abuse, and then he wants sex. Right. Well, what I said about um, unusual sexual ideas and needs. So Nita said, why did they choose to specifically hurt us? Well, they chose you carefully. Hijackals are pretty lazy emotionally, so they like someone who is a challenge. Now, that may sound really strange, but you know they, they like to prey on successful people, and they like to prey on people who are pre-groomed, particularly people-pleasing people. Because they're lazy, the people-pleasers are their target, and the ones who just want to prove how powerful they are um, will choose somebody and see if they can destroy them. Somebody who's successful and confident and all, they see it as a challenge to see if they can bring them into submission and control. And so they specifically want to hurt one person 
that they can count on to have power over. And that's usually the person that they're closest in relationship with. You know, my parents were ugly with each other. And they, um, you know, that's two hijackals in the same home. And if you ever want to see two hijackals having a relationship, go and, go and watch that series called House of Cards with Kevin Spacey and Robin Cook. There's two hijackals married to each other. And then just watch all the smirking that goes on in there. But they want to hurt us because we believed in them, because we they see us as weak, that they had power over us, that they could lure us into their net, and we went. And then if we still are trying to curry their favor, they think that they've got us, you know, on a hill and a downhill run. <laughs> and so that's why they think they can do anything. And until we finally stand up and say no. No, this is over. You cannot talk to me like that. You cannot say those things. You just crossed my boundary, you know. And then they'll they'll really rage. Um, but you have to go through it. You have to go through it in order to get out of it. And it says, so question is supply someone they can hurt. Well, supply, they may not hurt because they do... They, Certainly long-term supply, they will hurt. But they have also short-term supply that validates them and gets their approval. And they're always grooming supply. Even if they never intend to cheat, they've always got people that will validate them. They've got people in the wings. My father used to always, and I, th you know, I thought this was really nice when I was a kid, but now I think about it as so creepy. My father always had a pocket full of a candy called Kraft Caramels. They were little wrapped squares, and no matter who came up to him, he'd he'd ask them for their hand, and he he'd put a candy in them. And now I think. Oh, that wasn't nice. That was creepy, you know, <laughs> with an adult look at it. But I thought my dad was just being nice. And so, you know, we have to look at supply. He was grooming people. He was grooming people to like him. He was grooming people to think he was a nice guy. You know, and he was a nice guy in public, but he wasn't a nice guy, right? So they like supply that puts up with them hurting them. They do, emotionally, verbally, physically, sexually, financially, spiritually. They do. Oh, Kel says, I'm in England. Okay, great. That's why we've got the use. <laughs> um, oh, Sonia too. Great. Yeah. My family is all... Um, from England, but they went to South Africa. So I have a long history of London and um, Cambridge and around there, and then in South Africa. Um, oh, it's 3.45, so I need to go. You sure do. But thanks for being with us, Cal. That's great. I hope you're not up and upset, and that's how you happen to come. But at any rate, sleep well. Sonia says, when my uncle was taken into hospital, he engineered an argument and ran again out of the house. My uncle died half an hour later. I messaged him, and all I got was a disconnected condolence message. 
oh, oh. He did not get in touch for several days, and he knew I would be upset. I almost became desensitized to his actions. Wow. Such a terrible time to go through and such such a sad example. But there you have the power over, don't you? You just have it. That's I'm sorry that happened to you, Sunita. That's really difficult. And Jay Evans says, oh, my God, he all actually told me I was weak at one point in an argument we had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's what they do. And then they say, you know, I, I'm not, I don't respect you because you're weak. And yet they did all that they could to pulverize you into weakness and compliance and tear you down and wear you down and put you down. And all of that goes on and on and on. You're welcome, Haunted. So we don't have any more comments. So I, I will take it that we're good. And I hope that what I've said tonight will resonate with you and you'll think about it deeply. And until we speak again, take very good care of yourself because you're precious and you matter. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Savior Sanity Podcast today. I hope you've had some insights, ideas, and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with $1 or $5 each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saviorsanity. Also, learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my Emerging Empowered community, subscribe to this podcast, find my books, all by visiting EmergingEmpowered.com. Talk soon.